I don't know if there's like an all-time Star Trek cringe list, like the top 10 cringiest moments of Star Trek or something, but the uh, Worf and Ezri where uh, you must have been injured when they captured us, and Ezri goes, that's from our sex last night, is, is, is to me a top 10 cringiest moment of Star Trek that happens in Penumbra this episode. Clay, uh, what did you think about that? Did it strike your fancy, or was it the kind of writing that you enjoy from your Star Trek? Oh, you know, I'm always I'm always interested in uh, going over everybody's sex wounds <laughs> after they happen. Um, <laughs> They've done it a couple of times. It was a runner with Jadzia, but it didn't it didn't come yeah, across as so. Yeah. It, it was more like a joke in that one, and this yes, one they play yeah. it very seriously. Like it's a, like, yes, we definitely had sex last night. Yeah, Jadzia was like down to clown, as the kids yeah, say. Yeah, uh, yeah. but it, it was consensual. It, Ezri, <laughs> yeah, Ezri in in Ezri situation, it's just like it feels like a little bit more. Uh, <clears throat> maybe she didn't know what she was getting herself into. <laughs> mm, yeah, that's always that's always a tough position. You always have to ask for consent, people. That's the that's the way of things here. Always ask if you can claw the other person's back with your batleth or whatever. Um, we're going to uh, be talking about Penumbra, but right now you can listen to some music. Accessing library computer data. Out there, there are no saints. Just All right, everybody. So this episode is, as I said before, called Penumbra. It is the 17th episode of the seventh season, aired on April 7th, 1999, written by Renee Echevarria, directed by Steve Posey. In this episode, Cisco plans to marry Cassidy Yates. Worf is missing after a battle with the Dominion. This is the first episode of the nine-episode arc that they call the final chapter. So this is where DS9 goes back to its serialization thing that it did for the first part of the sixth season, except they're going to be wrapping the series up at this point and not just heading into the second half of a season where they don't really know what to do. So it's all coming to a close. And what'd you think, Clay, about Penumbra? Um, I thought it was it was it's a weird episode. Uh, feels totally different, doesn't it? It's so to me, the striking thing to me is just how structurally different their writing is when they do this kind of serialized thing. It's like they yeah. they step out of their episode, uh, like, this has to be told here, and obviously this sounds kind of obvious, but then they move into this kind of world where the pace is slower, but it's also, it's also spaced out in a modern way. And I'll, I'll let you finish your thought, but I, I have a lot to talk about the structure because I think that the way DS9 writes these episodes is like a prototypical way to modern TV writing, but it still has mm-hmm. holdovers from old episodic writing that holds it back a little bit. Yeah, it's it's weird to me because it it's sort of like it really kind of flip flop the stuff that I was interested in um, in that. I was not particularly interested in the the Cisco and Cassidy Yates plotline. Um, I felt like that was sort of just do whatever. You mean for um, this episode or in general? For, you don't for care this about episode. Yeah. For this episode. Yeah, it was just sort of like it, I don't know. It, it, I don't want to call it a waste of time, but it was just it didn't seem like it was going anywhere other than just being the B plot about them getting married. Like mm-hmm. I was thinking about it in as you do traditionally how these things are structured. Uh, but I was really interested in the Worf and Esri stuff. I thought that stuff was 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 uh, was really good. 
Um, and then like maybe three quarters of the way through, they kind of flipped it where the Esri and Worf stuff, I think I, w- I didn't, I wasn't really into as much, uh, you know, I guess after they slept with each other, cause it felt kind of weird. Um, and then it just sort of, they get captured and I think, is that, is that the end of the, the, the story for them in this yeah, episode? Yeah, we see the ship the that brain. they're on floating off into space. Yeah. And that's the end of it. Yeah. It, that I don't know what I was expecting, but I, I guess I was stuck more in, in an episodic mindset where I was expecting there to be a little bit more closure to that yep. story. Yep. Um, whereas the Cisco stuff at the end, um, I got brought back into it. And I don't know. And maybe this is this might be kind of cheating on their part, part at this point. But to have that sort of run-of-the-mill relationship story and then end it with a uh, uh, a vision from the prophets where she, where the, his mom is like, you really shouldn't bring her into this because you got some bad shit coming your way. I feel like that's a little bit cheating on this show. They seem to do that whenever they need to set up like something big is going to happen. What do, what do you think is cheating? That they just alert Cisco to the fact that something well, is coming? No, it's like I feel like it's a it's a um a manufactured tension cliffhanger. Mm-hmm. You know where it's like. They just, they need to end the episode on like a dramatic, ooh, what's going to happen hook. And so you do that by having the prophet show up and say like, listen, stuff's about to get bad. And he's like, well, bring it on. I don't I, care. You know. Yeah. It's, it, and so like I, I got, I liked the scene. So I liked Cisco kind of like, you know, going, giving it back to the prophets a little bit and, and, and whatnot. Um, but yeah, it just it 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 seemed kind of like a safe way to to kick off your your big uh, apocalyptic plot or whatever it's going to be. Yeah. So I, I don't know. I, I guess it's up for it's it's personal preference, I guess. And uh, I, I don't. Well, I, I, it, I just I'll, just to finish, yeah, ahead, I, I, it it remains to be seen what I think of uh, facial reconstruction. Uh, <laughs> Ducat, but <laughs> Bajoran, Bajoran Ducat. Yeah, yeah, that yeah. was interesting. What is it about men? They either don't talk at all, like you, or they talk too much, like Baudet. Baudet, the Galamite. We had dinner on the station before I left. I see. If he talks so much, why did you have dinner with him? He's interesting, and he has a good sense of humor. Tell me, did Jadzia she and Baudet? I don't have to answer that question. I guess I'd push back a little bit. I don't know if I'm pushing back, but I, I, I would say that I like the Cisco stuff here because I think... I think it works within the context of what they've set up Cisco to be, which is that like he's at he, now this episode feels very much like they know the end of the show is coming. They obviously do. Mm-hmm. This oh, is all setting yeah. up that this is all going to like resolve itself somehow. And I like the fact that it starts off with Cisco by some land on Bajor. He's talking about his plans for what's going to happen after the series. He's talking about this place he's going to build. He wants to marry Cassidy. She says, yes, they have this moment of getting together. And then they have a smaller version of, 
troubled waters ahead where they have the Bajoran girl come up and say that, no, Emissary, you can't have a small wedding like you would actually like. You have to have a big Bajoran statewide thing because you're too important to not have a big ceremony like this. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. So that's the first step of that, like not things are not lining up for him. And then they just kind of hammer that point home in the end where the prophet literally says, you can't be with her. Like, it's just not going to work out for you. Yeah. So I I think that the storyline works in that it's kind of a semi-tragedy because you've you've built Cisco to the point where he is the man that he is, like the Starfleet officer, is getting all the things that he wants. But then this other part that's been with him since the very start, at least the the emissary role of the prophets, him being half-prophet, they only kind of just brought up at the end. But he is being drawn into this part where he has a role that's bigger than his own worldly good. Like the thing that he wants mm. to do is not what's going to win out in the end. So I find his storyline pretty effective actually in, in terms, in, well, especially in comparison to the others. Yeah. I don't, I, I don't think it's bad. I just, I just think it was, it was, it was a, it was such a departure uh, for how they, from how they usually do things that as I was watching it, I thought it was, you know, it just felt like a, another kind of B plot, another relationship B plot. Mm-hmm. Um, but I mean, when you look back on it, and you see what they actually did. Yeah, I think I think it works pretty well. It's just it's it's a different kind of storytelling than what they usually do. Yeah, and I think that before, so I don't forget it. What's interesting about this switch to this serialized storyline is like I think of um, I think of modern storytelling when I think of like this kind of serialized story with a lot of characters in it. I think that like David Simon and his writing group probably do it the best of anybody. Mm-hmm. And when you watch a David Simon show like The Deuce just wrapped up, there are no scenes in a David Simon show that don't do something to right. you. There's like they have too many characters and too many storylines going where they can't waste a lot of time with what they're mm-hmm. doing. So the scenes are always like these really like quick or impactful or meaningful or it's like a discussion that is in uh important or something and ds9 is trying to do that serialized thing but at the same time they have this lethargic episodic pace to their storytelling so yeah the scene that sticks out to me is there's a scene where jake and cisco are walking on the promenade talking about being the best man it's yeah, a totally yeah. unnecessary scene. There's like no reason for that to happen and mm-hmm. it, it kind of slows down the storytelling and distracts you from the stuff that's going on, and I wish they did a little bit, and, and I know it's prototypical because they're doing this before the David Simon shows and the HBO shows came out, so they're kind of testing the waters with it. But it it feels like it drags some of the scenes down when they have scenes like that that don't really matter, especially when you're when you're trying to maneuver the pieces into so many positions. They can only deal with three storylines, and then they have a bunch of uh, filler scenes that I feel they could easily cut and add other things, like what, what everyone else is doing on the station besides Cisco. War Finesri and Damar and Wayun. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. The um I think outside of that, I like the Cisco storyline. I like Warf and Ezri up until the moment that they sleep together. <laughs> yes. Yeah. Um I think that that would have been better if they had not done that because I think that the tension there is more interesting if she does not just assume the Dax role all mm. over again. Um but what would you think of that one? Yeah, I uh the same. I I liked that stuff a lot. I liked that she was actually sort of uh I think this is the probably the best use of her so far. Yeah, she's um, my favorite. Just in terms of I thought they did a really good job of her not understanding what her memories are 
uh, because she's yeah. she's mentioned before that she's like an untrained trill, so she's she's not sure what these memories mean, and she, as a character, seems to be getting confused herself about what's a memory and what's not a memory. Yeah, yeah, I like that stuff a lot, and I like that she felt this weird, um, what's the word? Um, fuck. Uh, her her desire to help Worf se- sense of duty, yeah, yeah, to 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 help to help Worf based on uh Jadzia and all that kind of stuff. I thought that stuff was really nice. Uh, I thought their interactions on the ship on the the runabout were good as far as like uh Worf continuing to push her away. But their their arguing actually felt a lot like they used to write. Worf and Jedzia. Yeah, yeah. Which was probably on purpose. Yeah, I have to believe it's intentional that they're written that way. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I, I thought I thought they were driving to a more interesting end with that other than them just sleeping with each other. Because I feel like that's sort of the easy way out of it. Um, but I don't know. I guess it's difficult to just kind of do the th- the same thing they did at the beginning of the season where they both have to kind of reconcile the fact that they're they're that Jedzi is dead and Ezra's a different person. Um I don't know. I I I don't know if having them sleep together is the right choice, but I don't know where else you go with that. I don't you know. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I th- I think you could you could probably play off the fact that Worf was lying when he said it was okay for her to stay. And sure. he, he realizes that at this point that it's not that I, I just don't like them getting together because she is not everything I've been led to believe about the trill is that she is not Jadzia. She right, she is this right. own thing, and it, it it only feeds into the thing of like she is being the bad person in this situation, like her. And I don't think that the show really comments on that enough. Is that if, if she's supposed to be this untrained trill and she's causing all this heartache she's doing a bad job at being a trill and right, right. It, it doesn't seem fair to Worf to be in that position, but they don't, they don't really touch on that. They play it off as more of like, it's a both of them having a problem because they both secretly desire each other or something like that. Mm. And I don't, I don't find it satisfying really. It's, it's, there should be, I would prefer that relationship to be more tension filled and awkward and angry than yeah. accepting, I think. Or, I mean, the other way I would go with it is just sort of flip it from what they did at the beginning of the season and have it be Esri that can't, that's having hard time reconciling what's going on. Uh, Oh, Worf has found someone new or something like that. No, not that Worf has found someone new, but like have Esri, you know, Esri's flying out in in a a, uh, runabout into this pretty awesome looking like upside down solar flare storm (laughs) to try and to try and save Worf's life because... She's acting on uh, emotions she's uh, that are baked into her because of uh, the previous host, the dead host that she's still connected to. I feel like there's grounds for her to have a bit of a breakdown and be like, "Listen, I, I don't, I'm, I don't know what to make of this stuff. I'm doing X, Y, and Z. I'm trying to figure this out. I'm trying to do right by Jedzia, blah, blah, blah. And then have Worf be the one who's like, "No, it's." It's difficult, you know. I do the same thing every day, every time that I see you. Yeah. But you know, we have to realize that we are different people now, and blah blah blah. So you know, kind of flip it a little bit, or you can keep that tension going into whatever the next part of the story is, because clearly it's not over with them. Right. So I don't know. 
ending that story might not i don't know it's it's you get into this weird thing with your serialization stuff where it's you know how much when you've got a episodic section of a serialized thing do you carry over what happens in that episode or do you try to wrap up that story i don't know it's it's a it's a difficult call i guess yeah yeah i i i kind of like the way that they I like what they did with Worf because Worf is always the very uh, passive aggressive character. He never mm-hmm. he never says what he's thinking. He just kind of gets annoyed when other people go against the way that he wants things to be. Um, I I do I did really like when she asked about Alexander being the the, the gun yeah. guy or something, and he's like, "They were under they were understaffed on that ship." <laughs> <laughs> Don't you think you're being hard on him? It's like I'll. Uh, I think that that interaction perfectly sums up their relationship because he's like. You're not Jadzia. You have, yeah. you have no right to tell me what I what I think about the uh, about that kid or anything like that. And I I think their runabout scene is their best scene because it's the perfect capture of what I think they should have been doing the entire season with them. What I, what I think is really problematic about the seventh season is that it seems that the first half of this season was really just to kill time. That they really just yeah. wanted to get to this point and that they're going to now kick off the actual storylines that are going uh, around with these people. Because this just does this does feel like it's more of a conflict that would come about early in the season when Ezri is introduced. Instead of having that episode where Worf's like, yeah, stay, cheers, I'll see you around the, see you around the station. They just had to punt it down the line until this point. And I like their argument. I like the two. I like the fact that the episode is largely built around relationships. To start things off, like you have Cassidy and Cisco, you have uh, Ezra and Worf, and in a non-sexual way, you have uh, Damar, Wayun, and Dukat on the mm. other end of it. So I guess we can talk about Wayun, Dukat, and Damar. Uh, they're starting to finally pay off Damar's thing that they've been building, right? Damar is starting to uh, chafe under the Dominion more than he has before, and Dukat mm. wax- walks back into his life. And uh, Ducat represents the old way, the way that things used to be, and the old Cardassia, in a sense, even though we now have proof that uh, Ducat actually is buying into the Pa Wraith thing. He is a true believer, so Kira was wrong at the end of Covenant, I guess. Mm-hmm. Um, sure. And so, I, I, I like that, too. I like that they're... All of the storylines are about that tension, and you can either talk about Damar, Ducat, or whatever. But it's I, I I like that they started it off with a character based thing where it wasn't this big bombastic like the Dominion of Attacked. It's more about character interactions that are causing the characters to move in different directions. Like their their relationships are causing them to move the pieces around on the board to start this whole process of wrapping up. Yeah, I I like the Damar stuff a lot actually. Um, the the way that they were. Uh showing him getting uh bristling a bit more um or i i guess i don't know if bristling is the word but developing a drinking problem having to deal with all these fucking assholes <laughs> i guess is the way i put it yeah he's he's bristling because he brings up the uh how many cardassians are going to die in this whole thing because you tell us to die basically like what are we getting out of this yeah he's like among among the three of them he's the only one who seems to be kind of starting to realize the scope of what's going on here because mm-hmm. you got uh Wayun who's just you know keeping keeping the heat off because grandma's cold or <laughs> too hot or something and uh uh threatening death were he to touch the thermostat 
And then Ducat strolls in and he's like, what if we change what my face looks like? Yeah. Yeah. Um, and he's, he's kind of, uh, he's kind of the only one who's, who's just sort of dealing with what's going on. Um, the most realistic, uh, yeah. person who's dealing. Yeah. Because, uh, Ducat seems to be under the spell of the power wraiths and Weyun is always going to be the good administrator for the founders. Yeah. Yeah. The, uh, the thing I, I was wondering, um, the scene with the founder was kind of interesting where they're like, where she's giving him skin samples to. Yep. To further find a cure. The, yeah. I did really like when she was like, how's the cure coming along? And he's like, well, you know, they're making progress, but they're at a standstill. And she's like, okay, kill them all. Activate their clones and have them continue the research. <laughs> I, that, that scene confuses me because why don't you just clone more? So there's more scientists working on the research. I, don't know. I, I thought I thought she was killing them because she didn't want the secret to be out or something, but she's really just doing it because she wants a fresh pair of eyes working on the project. But I'm always like, you should you should just be pumping out clones to fully man your laboratories to figure this thing out at this point. Yeah, I don't know why I was thinking of the in the episode of The Simpsons where they flash forward to Lisa Simpson's wedding, mm-hmm. and uh, Smithers gets the invitation for the wedding, and he goes to tell mr burns about it who's cryogenically frozen and they said sir we'll thaw you out as soon as we can find the cure for 17 stab wounds to the back (laughs) and then the scientists go we're up to 13 (laughs) it's progress they're getting there yeah the uh (laughs) the the founder scene is another one of those scenes that well i think it's more important than the jake and cisco best man discussion it feels uh it feels like it's it's just kind of missing the point of like how you're going to serialize these things like if it just feels kind of clunky how they bring that mm. in you feel like you would you feel like that scene would be more better melded into some kind of damar is present for it again like the foundling the founder comes into the room with damar and wayun as they're having a conversation you kind of build off of that uh, idea that they're bristling with each other maybe they don't want mm-hmm. tomorrow to know or something but it just feels awkward to stop the thing have this whole totally separate scene where you stick Wayun in with the founder and stuff and this is probably unfair criticism it's just something that i notice when we're watching so much modern tv now that they're fairly inefficient when they start to do these serialized stories yeah, yeah. and i think that's that does that does stand out and it is a weird kind of growing pain between with this show in particular uh because they do this switch over like halfway through and they don't have the uh halfway through the series and they don't have the sort of ground up structure that something like uh you know the x-files or buffy the vampire slayer something like that has where it's like this is what we're going to do it's going to be a serialized show but we're going to have episodic stuff that leads into the serialized stuff so we're not like our hands aren't tied necessarily by our overarching serialization of it uh they kind of come to it midway through the series here and so you've got you know switching over especially in this season watching essentially a half a season's worth of standalone episodes minus the first like two was the first two a two-parter yeah it was a two-parter yeah aside from that they've all been standalone episodes you know about esri's extended family basically for some reason and uh uh for for better or worse and so s- making a hard switch into this nine part climax here 
is it, it is it is a bit of a system shock when you're watching. At least that's how I felt. You know, I yeah. felt like it felt it felt like the you could see the episodic stuff fighting with the serialization stuff. Yeah, and it, it's abrupt. It just sort of comes out. It yeah. just it's a drastic change because it, it even comes down to like the, the storylines are so different. You're you're separating mm. the characters from each other to continue. The, like no episodic DS9 thing separates the characters unless it's a plot to how do you reconcile bringing them back together in the end. Right. And right. this is clearly separating Ezri and Worf with no one having the intention of looking for them for a little bit. So yeah. you're you're it's really drastically different feeling that they're they're not actively looking for them. You're going to separate the characters. And in some ways it's um it's probably anti not anti-fan, but it's like anti kind of how when you approach a show like this you'd want as a as a fan watching it and you realize that there's only 10 episodes left. You have, I, or at least I do. I have this weird frustration where I'm like, I want all the characters to be together. I know that's mm. bad drama, but I like, I'm with so little time. You think that you want all the characters to be together and to experience the ending together, and that would sort of feel good as a viewer, I guess. It's anti-dramatic, and it's not the way that they want to go with the story. But it, it is something that always pops up to me that it's like, oh, Worf and Ezra are now on their own for a little bit. Yeah. I mean, it is. It's only. I mean, it's nine episodes. It's not. It's not like it's ending next. It's, uh, next no, it, it is. It's. <laughs> I guess we're talking on the, the relative scale of there's, DS9. There's stuff, still yeah. time. Let's put it this way: uh, <laughs> Luke Skywalker flew to Dagobah and learned how to be a Jedi in like an hour and a half. Yep. So I think there's time to separate them and then bring them back together for the end of the story. <laughs> Did um? What'd you think of Dukat returning? Feels a little um, bit abrupt that he just walks into Tamar's room and the Dominion are unaware that he's on the planet or something like that. But it's it's um Yeah, I don't I don't understand why he's just not in jail or dead at this point. Yeah, yeah. We like talked he, about that on Covenant, him, sort of a little yeah, bit. Yeah, to he's, have him freely walking around and especially freely just walking into Damar and Wayun's place. I I don't know. It, it, sure, whatever. It, yeah. It's I guess he still has some cachet with some of the people there or something. But it's just it is. I I I almost think I would prefer him doing whatever he's going to do outside of the founders and and knowledge of the Cardassians of the founders. Yeah, we, to, we talked about that. A, he should have been the wild card. We talked yeah, about that exactly. about a couple episodes yeah. ago. Yeah, yeah. I think that would have been more satisfying and more true to where he is. He, he he kind of is a wild card, but he's he relies on Damar too much, I mm-hmm. think. And maybe maybe it makes sense because you, you kind of have to trigger Damar to be um if Damar is going to go down this path of like bristling more, he kind of needs someone to kickstart him to do something about that. Like he needs to mm-hmm. become involved with Ducat to bring it up. But I think the the, the big problem to me is what you're saying is that like this is like Cardassia Prime is apparently like the HQ of the Dominion, but Dukat can just kind of walk around freely and not have any problem with it. Um, I I think people always complain about his direction. I'm really starting to feel the fact that we talked about on Covenant that he just feels like he has to exist, and the writers the writers are having a hard time authentically bringing him to the ending that he wants to get to, yeah. and so he's in Covenant. It's unclear whether or not he buys into the power rate thing. And Kira ends that episode by saying, I knew he was a liar. I know that Dirty Ducat's a liar. But he apparently is a believer here because he's he tells Damar that he is, that he's found the light. There's no reason to lie to Damar about something like that. So mm-hmm. it is strange. Like, Ducat feels like he should be... Ducat feels like he should be important to this whole thing. But he 
can't find the right path to get to his ending or something like that. Yeah. Yeah, it feels like he should have, like, just walked in and killed Damar and Wayun or something. Or, like, you know, like, in order for him to be part of this again, it feels like he needs to grab power back or something. Where, yep. you know, he walks into the room and just walks into the founder's bedroom and, like, smashes her into a billion pieces or something. <laughs> <laughs> well, it's, yeah, I mean, he's he's obviously up to something. Right, because yeah. he's disguising himself to uh, to to do that. I always think that Marco Lemo he's, must be so thankful to not have to do f- full Cardassian makeup on oh, these yeah. days. Yeah, I I assume he's uh, going to become a Vedic and fall in love with Kira and then break her heart because he sucks. Yeah, yeah, you'd be you'd be you'd be. A- <laughs> Am I right? Is that actually what happens? No, that's not what happens. Okay. No. Do what do you think actually? What do you think his plan is actually? I won't I won't say anything. But do you have any idea? Oh, I have no idea. No idea. Okay. Um, crash, crash the wedding and <laughs> give a really bad speech. <laughs> he, I knew he, Cisco back before Cassidy. <laughs> I have all the dirt on him. And the the lessening we of importance. On an, we were trapped on a planet forever. <laughs> he told me things he wouldn't even tell a priest. And the uh, the lessening of importance, his his ultimate plot is to marry Cassidy and Cisco together, and then reveal that he hadn't filled out the paperwork, and yeah. therefore they're not married to each other. <laughs> and then he flies off because like a power. Good ride. luck coming to visit him when he's in the hospital, Cassidy, because they won't let you in. Looks like you committed tax fraud by declaring married when you were not married. That's the end of the war, right there, gentlemen. Yeah. Um, mm, looks like you'll have to separately. Re-up your insurance because you can't be on Cisco's plan, can you, Cassidy? Wayun and the founders cackling in the background about how brilliant this this plot to bring the Federation down is. Small steps. Anything you want to talk about the episode, or should we just go to final thoughts? No, I think I'm good. All right, let's uh, take a break. Except for the fact that you can tell they're in the future because Cassidy moves for an open concept kitchen. Yeah, that's right. I always think of the tweet that says... uh, House Hunters 2050, and it's just a person walks in and says, the first thing we got to do is get rid of this granite countertop and these uh, aluminum or steel, stainless steel appliances because yeah. everything comes full circle. <laughs> we have to, the first thing we got to do is put up a big wall between the kitchen and the living room. Yeah, I got I to close down this open space. The heating bill is just astronomical. <laughs> um, yeah, we're going to take a break. We're going to play a clip from Penumbra, and then we'll come back, read some patron thoughts, and give our final thoughts. The Cisco. Sarah. You must accept your destiny. Your path is a difficult one. She cannot share it with you. Are you talking about Cassidy? She cannot walk the same path. You don't understand. I love her. We're going to be married. That is not your destiny. My destiny is my own. I'm a man. I have the right to live my life without your interference. All right, everybody. So if you want to support the show, if you enjoyed the content today, the best way to do that is to go to patreon.com slash the Penske file, a couple dollars a month, and you become our everlasting friends. And you also keep the lights on. You make the show better and everything like that. And we much appreciate it. 
Thank you very much. Patreon.com slash the Penske file. Captain Tier supporters also get a shout out as always. Special thanks go to Andrew Cherlog, Ben Douglas, Captain Court, Cardinal Doomsday, Christian Michaels, Christian Pouch, Darth Moss, David Beardmore, David K, Dwayne Hackett, Eric Johnson, HH28, IC Unicorns, ERP, Joint Mango Court, Jordan Cooper, Kevin Reyes, Kyle Barrett, Mad Courier 6, Matt Cutler, Matt Ross, Mike Burnett, Nathan Elliott, Neil Brennan, Nick Sergi, Robert Cummins, Russell Elledge, Samuel Custer, Grim Santo, Sean Spinobi, Tark Latif, Tom Hiles, Vault 13 Hero, and Will Yates. Thank you very much for supporting the show. It's really appreciated. And um, one thing I wanted to say before we get to final thoughts, Clay, is I do like mm. the proposal scene between Cisco and Cassidy. I think it's good. Um, yeah, I agree. I, I think those things sometimes don't work or they seem kind of hokey, but I like that they their their proposal felt very real to Cisco to me. Um, doesn't feel. I feel like he planned it, but he didn't go overboard with it. He made like the 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 thing of the little. Uh, Bajoran house model becoming the ring, I think, is a nice touch. That that's mm. something that he's trying to connect those two worlds. Like he hadn't he hadn't planned out anything and bought a special ring. And I think that the uh, the conversation between those two is nice. I think, and it, it it does both characters correct. Yeah, I just wish it had come full circle. And the scene with the prophets at the end was like, you can never be with her, Cisco. She just leaves stuff everywhere. <laughs> <laughs> they you'll they get judgmental about her job, like Jake was getting judgmental <laughs> or whatever in that you'll, conversation. You'll never see a clean plate for the rest of your life. <laughs> oh, Cassidy Yates. What do you um do you think they spent enough time with Cassidy? Um you mean like across the across series? Across the series, yeah. Uh I think they've spent little enough time with her that it's believable that they're falling in love and getting married and that she's not like still in jail yeah <laughs> i just i you know i that's she one did of those her time she did her time and got out yeah. yeah i don't know it's just one of those things that i've never totally been on board with but there's enough distance there and they've they've played her in, in such a uh uh a a um geez my mind is like a straight laced you mean or yeah, yeah in such a uh uh a good light that You'd be like, yeah, okay, yeah, I get that they're together and whatever. Like they, they, like it almost feels like that whole storyline. They, they just forgot about it mm. or just pushed it to the side. Yeah, I think I think she's been there just enough to make it believable that they're getting yeah. married. Um, yeah, I think so. Which is maybe enough, but it's one of those things. I always, uh, I don't know. Well, I'll have more thoughts about mm. that, I guess, when the series wraps up. But let's read yeah. some patron thoughts uh, because if you guys support the show, you get to leave your thoughts about upcoming episodes, and we read them. I will say, let me go here back to the first one. I did do a little bit of editing on some of these. Uh, I put the warning up there that I would do this, but just to keep things uh, concise, I've done a little bit of editing. Uh Oh, someone's getting a little power hungry. (laughs) In the future, if you guys want to keep keep them shorter, just because there's so many of them now that it takes up a good amount of time, and I would appreciate it. And also, I would be able to read every single word that you write. But thank you for leaving your comments anyway. Guys, keep them short, or we will be signing a contract that's saying we are exclusively going to be offered through uh, Microsoft Zune. Then so, you will be in trouble. Yeah, it will be hard to hard to access. Uh, that will will only be available on Starbucks Wi-Fi uh, for you people. So you don't want us to the go there. first the first exclusive podcast on the Neil Young Pono MP3 player. Oh, nice, nice comments. For Penumbra, Zam Nuclear Wessel says, I've seen this episode a bunch of times, and this is the first time I remember hearing Wayun and Damar argue about the Sona. This strengthens my belief that everything to do with Star Trek Insurrection contains a virus that erases it from my brain. Did you catch that reference, Clay? 
Absolutely not. Yeah, they, when they're talking about uh, the first Wayun and Damara scene, they're talking about a Ketracel White facility that needs to be protected by the Sona, and the Sona are the alien bad guys in Insurrection. Oh, the face stretchers? Yes, the face stretchers. Ah. Yeah. Uh, because that is brought up in Insurrection in the throwaway line. Picard says that there's a Ketrasol White facility around there. I do remember that. The most recent time I watched Insurrection, when I couldn't sleep one night, I do remember him saying that, yes. Yep, yep. So that's that that uh, connection there. So I think you had actually wondered in a recent episode where we were in the movie timeline. So Insurrection would have just been coming out around this time. I'm Listen, I'm glad Picard and crew are down on a planet getting younger by the day while the rest of the Federation <laughs> well, is being massacred by the Cardassians. <laughs> yep. Yarpy Penumbra says, to quote Babylon 5, and so it begins, the final arc to end DS9 has begun. A good episode to start it, and it's great to see Weyun, Damar, and Jakad again. Damar especially has grown up to me. Cisco stuff starts to hit home that the show is ending, which is nice to see. I get it why they wanted Ezri to find Worf, but why did they make the search team figure out? Uh, why didn't the search team figure out how to use the currents to find him? It's a bit of a stretch, but I mostly like the scenes between those two. I would totally watch a spinoff Worf, the survivalist expert, set on some remote planet. Forget that. I want to see forty minutes of Worf stuck in a box. Yeah. Hugging his Sing, legs, yeah, singing opera, <laughs> and I bet I bet he goes through a pretty interesting uh, mental mental uh, arc there. Yeah, he I, he they, he comes into the ship with a strange mentality that they don't really comment on. Is it just because he's yeah. been alone that he's like shell shocked? I I thought that they were gonna play it as though he didn't want to be rescued, mm. like it was gonna be one of those, you know, I I, I, I accepted will, death. Yeah, I was. Yeah, ready to I go. will be. I will be reunited with Jadzia or something. Probably, oh, sure. You know, yeah, he does. He does have that kind of. He he seems distressed to be rescued. I guess he's supposed to be playing off the fact that Ezri is the one rescuing him. Um, mm-hmm. but it's not particularly clear. Poindexter G says Ezri running off to save Worf is probably more evidence as to why her living in basically Jadzia's old life isn't a good idea. She can't separate Dax's old lives from her current one, but I guess it's good drama. I like Ben and Cassidy's realization that their wedding is going to be a major event for Bajor and not just the small affair that they wanted. And we see some dynamics between Wayun, Damar, and the Founder. But what is Dukat up to? And how does he just casually stroll into Cardassian command? Kyle Barrett says, Yay, the final chapter! Oh, I forgot it doesn't get off to the best start. But it's a fine episode, largely dedicated to table setting, and some of the plot lines will turn out to be great, and others, not so much. But it's too early and too spoilery to get into specifics, so I'll simply say that it's a decent episode, but the best is most definitely yet to come. Norma Buckwald says, Penumbra, the episode is fine as an introduction, clearly introduces the rules of the upcoming 10-episode serial that will there will be multiple stories and suggests serious epic building. Still, this episode seems a bit disjointed, and I would have solidified it more by changing one plot point. Instead of Worf being lost due to a battle, what about Dukat was somehow spotted and Worf went to find Dukat for his right of vengeance on Jadzia? When she later finds Worf, uh, when Ezri later finds Worf and they start to argue, instead of a high school jealousy over off-screen Captain Beaudet, an argument of what Worf was doing and the Klingon rituals will eventually lead the two to bond. Finally, later when Dukat turns up in Cardassia, he can say to Damar he was in the Badlands being protected by the power rates, and that's when he managed to escape from Worf. A bit disappointing, three and a half out of five, but this was Nicole DeBear's most solid performance yet as Ezri and as a channeling of Jadzia. I did, I did find that kind of interesting when... <laughs> When Worf was like, wait, tell me all the people Jedzia slept with. Yes, yes. That's, a, that's um, I like that scene, but it's also one of those scenes where I'm like, this is too real for Star Trek. 
Yeah. You know what I mean? Where, where people are uh, talking about things like that, that weird desire where as a guy, you have to know who she slept with, which is mm-hmm. a strange, but it's a strange part of the male psyche, but it does exist. But Worf, Worf like verbalizing it makes it seem so dirty for Star Trek that it's inappropriate. Yeah. Yeah. It is. It is kind of a strange scene. Yeah. Yeah. I, I like it, and it, it's it's like a good place to go with the storyline. It's just just too real or something like that. Captain Bodet, Andrew the Churlock, brain guy, the brain guy. Not him. <laughs> I'm curious. Do you remember them mentioning him before? Do you remember that guy, the brain guy? Yeah, yeah, I do. Yes, oh, okay. I, I I didn't recognize the name, but once they mentioned the brain thing, I was like, oh yeah, I forgot about that. Yeah, it's weird how little mentions like that can stick in your mind somehow it's i guess it's just a memorable detail or something it was a good line from from o'brien when when uh what is she seeing him? was like what is she seeing him and he's like oh, well his his brain for one thing <laughs> and then they high five in the background yeah. andrew Cherlog says most disappointing esri episode while the esri wharf story does lead to something next episode the main thrust is on cisco and ducat the pairing of cisco getting married while ducat disguises as a bajoran is striking Cisco remains grounded to his humanity while Ducat is losing whatever humanity he had. I was kind of hoping that he was going to come out dressed like Davy Crockett because then I was going to be like, finally, (laughs) this is a good plan and it's going to work. Nick Sergi says, I'm glad that Ezra and Worf's relationship is actually treated as important and it kind of gets the final string of episodes going. It took a lot of guts, but I'm glad that they did that. Matthew Ross, is this the final one? It is the final one. Matt Ross says, Penumbra, I have read that these last episodes are essentially one long nine-hour episode and that it opens with a whole lot of stuff that makes it all over the place. We know where Worf was in the last several episodes, on patrol or doing voiceovers for the Cartoon Network. His slavish desire to seek death, I would argue, needs counseling. Oh, wait, here she is, and that's some counseling session. As to Cisco and Cassidy, of course, it's tragic and crazy. First, the crazy with the settling down, the house, and of course, the huge wedding with statewide implications. But then the prophets have to ruin everything. Why? Or why? Because the Cisco. To me, the best start. Uh, to me, the best start on this, which ties into the war that's been in the background, is the disease to the founders. Damar is a flailing yet functional alcoholic, and Wayne's disgust shows Damar's realization that the party is ending. A rough start, but a table setting of an ending. I did see. I, I did identify a bit too much with the uh, the scene where the Bajoran girl comes over, and they they realize the the uh implications of them getting married cuz my girlfriend and I talk about that all the time or like if we ever got if when we eventually get married the wedding it's either going to be five people or like 125 to 200 people cuz we both have families that uh our parents are one of like seven mm-hmm. on both sides of the family and every one of their siblings has at least two kids right if not three to four <laughs> So it's it yeah. It's like yeah, these numbers go up real fast. <laughs> they do. Um Yeah, they they know they the numbers certainly. I think we had one one twenty at our wedding. Yeah. I think. Um which is a decent size. We have one coming up for my brother in law, which is at like two fifty or something yeah, at this that's point. Like that those those numbers are just like whew. Yeah. Like I think I think I did the math out and it was like a hundred people just on my side of the family or something like that. Yeah. Yeah. No, it's uh, my, my family's very small uh, to compare against that. So it, it was a lot easier than that, but her family, Amy's family's bigger yeah. and has more, um, 
I guess it depends on whose family is like more invested in weddings. Like mm. you, you can't have a large family, but no one feels particularly inclined to go to weddings sort of, I and mean, not even in sure. a bad way, but depends on the family. One of those things. Yeah. Uh, that's all for patron comments. Thank you. Patrons for leaving your comments. Thank you for listening to us on wedding talk. One Oh one next week. We'll be talking about table settings. Uh, there was a lot of table setting in this episode, I suppose. So maybe it's thematically appropriate that we're going to be talking about weddings too, but Cassidy and Cisco are on the up and up. And then the down and down, Worf and Esri are down on a planet. And then Dukat is off to do something as a Bajoran. So we'll pick up the next one right after this in a couple days. But we're on to the final chapter. Never felt like it was going to end, but here it is. Clay, what are you going to give this one on a scale of one to five? Um, I'm, I think I'm going to go with, I can't remember which commenter said, I think like a three and a half, I think. Okay. A uh, solid three, a good three. Yeah, I think so. It's a good it's a good start. It's it's a little bit shaky. I don't know, what are you going to give it? I'm going to give it a 3. 3. I yeah, think it's a okay. perfectly fine episode. There's nothing yeah. really wrong with it, but it's not exhilarating in any sense. Yeah, I would I would agree with all that, yeah. Yeah. Um I I I understand why they do it. I think it's a holdover of the old style of storytelling that they do, but it also feels weird that some characters just don't really do anything in this one. You know what I mean? Does that yeah. strike you as strange? Like, it's not seeing what Odo and uh, O'Brien and Bashir are kind of up to. I know that they're, they're spacing it out, sort of, and that they're going to, like, give everyone something to do. But it, it still feels a little bit clunky that you don't check in with them outside of them just being background characters who comment on something else. Well, for setting for setting the table for, like, your last nine episodes, they do pick two kind of weird stories to jump off with. Mm-hmm. Uh, so I guess it's a pro- I guess it's 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 a tough call cuz like knowing that it's an essentially a nine part story makes it feel like yeah they're they're picking a really uh uh outside route into this story that I wasn't expecting but if I'm just watching it week to week then I guess it probably doesn't really feel that odd. Mm. Yeah. I think um would you say that the Worf and Ezri thing feels weirder than the Cisco thing? Um, just in general, they do or the, the, the Worf and Ezri line storyline feels the strangest, like most unexpected of the storylines. Where Cisco makes sense to me, but separating Ezri and Worf so that they can deal with their relationship issues feels like a very odd choice to me. Again, if if it's if it's in a vacuum of just the episode, it doesn't feel weird to me because it just feels like that's what they're going to do in this episode. Right, it's their turn uh, this week to do yeah. something with those two. Yeah, you know, I'd rather watch that than watch Odo and Kira just make, you know, Google eyes at each other for 40 minutes. Um, but in the context of a nine, nine part thing that's going to end the series, it does feel weird. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. We'll see. We'll, we'll have more to talk about as we, as the episodes start to pile up and stuff like that. But it's, it's definitely different talking about an episode like this than the, uh, episode of the week. But that's it. Threes for both of us. Clay gives it a three and a half, which is a strong three. Uh, but yeah, it's it's a fine start. Nothing wrong with it, but it doesn't really blow my socks off or anything like that. It's a perfectly capable episode. Um, that's it. Thank you very much, guys. Patreon.com slash the Penske file if you want to support the show. Otherwise, all the social media is down below. Twitter, Facebook, Instagram, Discord. Join the Discord if you want to join the conversation. Instagram if you want to look at the pictures. I think that's pretty much it. we got all the other shows coming. Real Ripe will be back with Arnold Schwarzenegger will be the next topic. 
Clay's got his horror movie coming out that he can say something about. Badass will have its Q&A eventually. But uh, if you want to talk about any of those, Clay, before we go, feel free. Otherwise, we're done. Yeah, I think that's it. We're actually we're got, Amanda and I are going to record the first episode this weekend. Uh, I we might do we might do like a little intro episode to put out before everything else starts, but I don't really know how worth how how much those are really worth. So we'll see. Worth kickstarting the uh, the RSS feed with. So I think that's yeah. a good reason to do it. If anything, yeah. um, I'm actually probably due to redo my introduction for the Star Wars show, mm. just to redo it and like replace the episode with it. Um. Maybe. We'll so see. you mean like you're going to put out a uh, special edition version of it where yes. you've gone back and tweaked <laughs> you... some stuff you're not happy with? <laughs> I'm going to speak first. Um, <laughs> and I'm going to be I'm very... just going to – I'm going to yell McClunky over you right before you speak. <laughs> I think it might be – it's something worth doing. I think that's the uh, – the purpose of those introduction things is just like if I'm ever finding a new podcast, I click – if they have a short introduction, I will listen to it to see what they yeah, sound yeah. like. Um, especially, especially if it's something that isn't, isn't out yet and it's kind of new. Right. Exactly. And if it, you know, if it's like three to five minutes, it's like, yeah, what is this about? What does it sound like? What are they going to talk about and how well does it uh, work uh, like as an introduction? Right. But, uh, that's about it. I think we're done outside of that. I had thought I had one of the, oh, the, um, Rogue One will come out tomorrow. This is coming out Ooh. Monday and then our Rogue One coverage will come out tomorrow and then we'll be continuing. After a two-year hiatus yes we are back to talking about star wars listen to the audio quality on the, the very last star wars one and then listen to this one it's like night and day i'm just gonna be always <laughs> constant uh self-conscious about the audio quality of those older episodes guys thank you very much for listening we'll be back with the next ds9 episode which is which is till death to us part thank you very much for listening thank you for supporting the show and see you later